Good evening, everybody. It's time to begin our service this evening. Tonight we'll have one song, and then Brian will have our uh, announcements. Two more songs, and Chris has our lesson this evening. Our first song tonight is number 971, Restore My Soul. 971. Restore my spirit, Lord, I need restored. My heart is weary, please help me, dear Lord. I stand in need of more strength from your word. Renew my love, refill my faith, oh, restore my soul. Revive the fire, Lord, defend my soul. Good evening. We have a few announcements to go with before, before we uh, begin our services here. April 16th is a deacon's meeting. Uh, April 18th, Young at Heart will be going to Bombshells and Burgers at 1030. April 18th is the Addiction Seminar at 630. April 22nd, Hometown Love at the Fairgrounds. If you are willing to help, please be at the Fairgrounds at 7 a.m. April 23rd, Family Mission Trip meeting after morning services, that will be a short 10-minute meeting. Uh, April 24th through 26th is the Flatwoods Gospel Meeting, and May 21st is a senior reception. Mowing schedule is on the bulletin board, so please sign up for that. <clears throat> on our prayer list, uh, remember Jimmy Wilgus, Terry Leap, Jim Haney, and uh, I got to visit with Amber Spitzer yesterday. She's doing well. Um, her chemo is over. She's now taking radiation. Uh, keep her in your prayers at this time as well. Is there any other announcements to be made? Judy Gerald. Remember Judy also? Ladies class tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Anything else? Now, would you bow your head with me, please? Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, Father. We're thankful for this opportunity we have to come here this evening, Father. Father, we pray that the, everything we do this evening will be in accordance with your will. Father, we pray for all of the events we have coming up. Be with us. Help us to be a part of all these and do what we can to further your kingdom. Father, be with us the rest of this service. Thank you for everything you do for us. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen. Our next song this evening is on the overhead only. It's A Shield About Me. I led this last week, and 
it helps if you keep singing it to learn it. So, a shield about me. Last song tonight before the lesson is number 824. 824, I'll fly away. If you would, let's stand for this song, please.
Be seated. Good evening. Several years ago, uh, I was privileged to be able to get to go to New York on a mission trip. Uh, we just—it was an awesome trip. But one of the the highlights, I guess, of the trip was. Uh, we were there on the 4th of July weekend, so we got to go into Manhattan and see uh, the fireworks in Manhattan, and it was cool. Um, but when we got there, one of the brothers that were, they've been working with all week said, you know, I'm a, I'm a bellhop at a uh, hotel right across the road from the Empire State Building. And uh, if you guys want to, I'll take you up to the, to the rooftop. You can watch the fireworks from up there. So we're like, if we want to, we're in. You know, so we, we go up the elevator and we are almost eye to eye with the top of the Empire State Building. It is so, so cool. And I, I am, was follically challenged like I am now back then as well. So I was wearing a hat most of the time. So my head burns. Um, and so I've got my hat on. Uh, and it's so windy up there. The, the wind's almost kicking off my hat every time. It's just blowing our clothes. and It's just so, so windy up that high. And, but you kind of, from, from our vantage point, you could look out and see the different boroughs as they did their fireworks shows. You could watch all, like Queens and Brooklyn, and all, the Bronx, all of the, you got to see all their fireworks shows. And then you got to see Manhattan's. And it was, it was almost like we were inside the fireworks um, show for that night. So that kind of came with a, a couple of um, learned lessons from me. Um, every other fireworks show I've seen since then has been a little disappointing. <laughs> Uh, and also how incredibly windy it was up there. I just couldn't believe it. This is a picture of the Chrysler building. It used to be, uh, before the Empire State Building was built, used to be the biggest uh, building in the world, the tallest building in the world for about eight months. And then the Empire State Building was built, and it's a little bit taller now. Um, but it's about the same height, give or take, uh, several feet, uh, as the Empire State Building. So I cannot imagine how windy it must have been up there in 1929, 1930, as it was being built. To have these pictures uh, and verified, I've seen a 12-minute video today, watched it, um, where these pictures are taken from that video. And you can tell these guys aren't wearing harnesses, there's no, there's no safety equipment around them, and they're just kind of acting like um, this isn't a dangerous feat that they're doing. They are around this kind of thing all the time, uh, and so it just kind of, I guess they become numb to the danger, you know? Uh, they've become accustomed to it. They're around it all the time. And so uh, you see guys sitting on pieces of wood. Like that's a, what, a two by six or something, right? And he's just sitting on it a thousand feet up in the air. It's incredible. Uh, I've watched the, the, this eagle being put together. It hangs. Uh, there's, I think there's eight of them on the Chrysler, on the Chrysler building still. They're still there. Um, but uh, I, I watched it being built today on that 12-minute video. It's so, so neat. Uh, but to be the guys, and there were like six or eight of them that were building this thing, and they were just kind of moving the sheet metal around a thousand feet up in the air. And there's a little fence around the, the, the back side of the eagle uh, that one of the guys is kind of leaning up against, but it only comes up to about waist, about waist high. And I just kept thinking as I was watching that video and as I was seeing these pictures, I just kept thinking about how windy it was um, up there on top of the Empire State Building and how it almost took my hat off. Just every time, I finally got to the point where I just took my hat off and put it in my pocket or held it um, because I was going to lose my hat. I cannot imagine being these guys, 1929, 1,000 feet up in the air, 
leaning into the wind. Like, what do you do if you lean into the wind and all of a sudden the wind stops and you're still leaning? You, you fall a thousand feet. It would be, be catastrophic, obviously. So my stomach kind of churns uh, when I look at these pictures. But these guys are comfortable up there. Obviously, there's a, there's a famous picture of about eight or ten guys sitting on, uh, I think it's a, um, a big steel beam, like an I-beam, and they're just sitting there and they're eating lunch. That's, that's their chosen spot to have their lunch. And they, you, you can see uh, their lunch pails and all that kind of stuff. That they're sitting a thousand feet up in the air eating lunch. That's how comfortable these guys have become with it. They're, they're just kind of numb to the danger that's there. And I started thinking... I wonder if we've become comfortable, maybe too comfortable around some things that are dangerous. Maybe we've become numb to some things that are deadly. Maybe we've become a little too comfortable around sin. I thought, I think that's probably the case. um, That we've just become a little too comfortable around sin. So I don't want to become too comfortable. I don't want to become numb around sin. These guys are just so comfortable. They're, they're acting like it's not even there. Like the danger isn't present. And they're just going about their lives, doing everyday natural things. And we cannot be like that with sin. We've got to be wary of it. We've got to acknowledge the danger. Or we'll fall prey to it. So I wanted to think for just a few minutes about, about how we don't become numb to sin because it's saturated our world. There's like these guys, we're, we're surrounded by this, and it's it's a daily thing, isn't it? You you don't have to turn even the TV on. You can just listen to the radio. But certainly, when you turn the TV on, you you see all kinds of images and, and thoughts and and things like that. Priorities that are are not godly, are they? They're actually anti-biblical. They'll teach you a false worldview, a view that's not in line with what God would have us to live. Um, if you don't choose your friends very, very carefully, your coworkers very, very carefully, the ones that you allow to influence your lives, if we don't choose those very carefully, they can influence us for the negative, can't they? So it's, it's awfully hard because we're so inundated with sin not to become numb to it. These guys are around this danger all the time. And so they've kind of brushed it off. They've become numb to it. It's just an everyday thing to them. It's, it's a Tuesday, right? Uh, it's, it's an everyday thing to them. And so they don't pay it any attention. That's too dangerous a game to play with sin. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 51. That's where we're going to end up tonight. But I, I wanted us to think through a couple of um, biblical characters who were in this position but did not become numb to sin. You think about Noah. Um, preached for 120 years in a culture that was even worse than ours. Uh, We're told in in the Genesis account that every thought of every person was evil all the time. It's pretty bad, right? You don't get any worse than that. And so he's surrounded by sin all the time. But somehow, some way, this righteous man doesn't become numb to the sin, not even in 120 years. He's, he's older than that when he starts building the boat, right? Um, but even, even at 600 years old, he, he still isn't numb to sin. Even though he's surrounded by it, he hasn't allowed it to, he hasn't become accustomed to it. 
I don't want us to become accustomed to it. And I think that's a, that's a very real fear in our culture because we're around it so much. You think of Lot. Here's this guy who lives in Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the epitome. Uh, it's a byword for um, sexual degradarity. It's, it's a bad place, right? It's become uh, a word uh, among us for um, immorality. But here's this guy living in the midst of that culture. And the Bible says that his righteous soul was vexed, right? In Second Peter, Peter tells us that, that Lot's righteous soul was vexed by the conduct of those around him. He hadn't become accustomed to it. He, he hadn't allowed it himself to become numb to it. And so here's a guy that's surrounded by it, but it still bothers him. I'm afraid sin doesn't bother us like it should. I'm afraid we've become a little too accustomed to it. So I don't want to become accustomed to sin. I, I want it... Uh, I want to, to mourn for my own sin. I think that's necessary. If you look back in Matthew chapter 5, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I don't think he's talking about the ones that have lost loved ones, uh, although that's, that's probably true. Uh, that's not what I think he's talking about. I think what he's talking about there is those who mourn over their sin, those who mourn like... Jacob mourned over the loss of Joseph. If we mourn over our sin like that, we will find comfort. And so I don't want to become accustomed to my own sin or to sin around me to the extent that I don't mourn like that. I don't know that we mourn like that very often, do we? It, does, it, does it ever catch you where you think, oh, that just eats me up, that bothers me, um, that I reacted like that, or, or that... Maybe it's that person reacted like that. Maybe it's just the sin that is around us. And we're, we're burdened by that, bothered by that. I think it's a good thing. I think we need to be bothered by those things. Um, Psalm chapter 51 is David after he's finally woken up. He has, he has committed the sin with Bathsheba. He has killed Uriah. And just about a year has passed between the time when the incident with Bathsheba happens and the incident with Nathan happens. There's about a year in between those two incidents in which David just is numb to his sin. He's accustomed to it. He's become okay with it. And finally Nathan comes along and he tells him the story and it wakes him up and finally he sees his sin for what it is and what it's done to his relationship with God and he writes Psalm 51 right after uh, that realization. So maybe it's helpful for us this evening as we think about not becoming too comfortable around sin, not being numb to it. Because David was numb to it, but here he wakes up and he, I think he has some stuff for us that will help us not be numb to sin too. So he says, Psalm 51, verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. 
He's always thinking about this sin. He can't shake it. He's, this is keeping him up at night. It's waking him up early in the morning. This is something that's always, he's always thinking about this thing. He's broken because of this. I think one of the things that will help us not become numb to sin, not become accustomed to it, um, is the fact that it's everywhere around us. It's a little bit of a two-edged sword. Because it's everywhere around us, we might become accustomed to it. But because it's everywhere around us, we also see the consequences of sin on vivid display, don't we? You don't have to look very far at all before you see someone who has been demolished by sin. By selfish choices of themselves or someone near them, sin has racked their life. I think one of the things that David says that can be helpful for us is you need to pay attention to the consequences of your sin, but you can learn the lesson from other people too. You can, you can watch the consequences that they have to deal with and learn that lesson that sin has consequences every time it has consequences. Whether you think it's hidden or not, David thought he, his had been hidden. It wasn't hidden. In fact, the only person he, he had hidden his sin from was himself. Sometimes we think our sins are hidden, but they're actually, we're only lying to ourselves. But we can learn the lesson from those around us. Sin has, sin has consequences, and I think the consequence that he's afraid of here in Psalm 51 is God's going to take his spirit away from David like he did from Saul at the beginning of David's life. David is, has a prime seat to watch Saul descend into madness because God took his spirit away from him. And he desperately doesn't want that consequence. And whatever it takes to stay away from that consequence, David's willing to do. And so he throws himself on God's mercy here to stay away from that, that consequence. He had learned his lesson. And so one of the good things about, if we can phrase it like that, Ironically, one of the good things about sin being everywhere around us is we can see the consequences and avoid it. Allow those to encourage us to stay close to him, to not fall prey to all the wiles that Satan has, to all the, the lies. We don't have to believe those things. We, we can learn this lesson. I think that's one of the ways that we don't become so numb to sin because we're reminded every day, sometimes every hour, right, about the consequences of sin. You look at your next door neighbor, maybe it's in your own house, maybe it's in somewhere in your family, a broken marriage, a broken family, selfishness, pride, anger, all these things, greed, have lust, all these things have wreaked havoc on our lives. We can and should learn the lesson here. Don't be numb to sin. Allow the consequences to remind us, to wake us up, to see these things. It's a hard lesson to learn, but I think it's a necessary one. Tonight, if you're struggling, we want to be praying for you, that you can be everything that God would have you to be, that you can be alert to your sin, that you can mourn it uh, like, like Jacob did uh, his loss of Joseph. If you've never been baptized, that's the very first step into becoming right with God, to having your sins washed away. If you need to put them on in baptism tonight, if you dislike the prayers of this congregation, why don't you come tonight as we stand and sing?
Please pray with me. Dear God, thank you for letting us come here today to worship you, Lord. Thank you for Chris and his lesson, Lord, and please help us be aware of our sin, Lord, and please help us not be numb to it. <clears throat> please help us learn more about you in our classes today and be with everybody on the prayer list, Lord, and be with them. And please help us get home safely, Lord, and in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.